everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts. And I'm Colin Parker, one of your other hosts. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Uh, and once again, James, we are joined by the illustrious. Mm-hmm. Sensuous. Ooh. Mike Snyder, how are you? Uh, yes, I'm Mike Snyder, I'm, and I'm still booted up from earlier, still running at peak efficiency. Oh, good. I was concerned. I was wondering how the newer models would hold up mm-hmm. to you know the, the testament of time. But I guess that makes sense, there, right? There, it's, it's there have the been some improvements. Models. Yeah, there's some been improvements from older models of Mike right. Snyder. As you you know, we we saw a lot of those in the last recording session that I was part of. Uh, but here we're 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 still go we're running great. The CPU usage is great. The connection to the cloud, wonderful. Everything's going great here. Perfect, hey, perfect. Um, Mike, I have a real quick question. When you um, put on a certain kind of footwear, do you say that you're booting up or is that? I do now. Okay, good. Thank you. So we are talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 2. We're starting at 30 minutes exactly and going through to 32, 34. And even I on this podcast with Colin looking me square in my human eyeballs can see that that is two minutes and 34 seconds of time. Gotta love that null rule of addition and subtraction. All right, here we go. Here's what happens. Go ahead and sit back, have a cold beverage, because this is going to take a little bit. Mm -hmm. Koenig is still marveling Ah. at the Zephyr and its pilotless flight. He also marvels at the cordless telephones. He wonders, if they aren't Martians or Moon Men, then where did Coulson and his team come from exactly? Coulson tells him it's not so much a matter of where, but when. Eventually, he admits that they are all from the future, early 21st century to be exact, and happen to be part of a secret organization known as S.H.I.E.L.D. He explains that their goal is to protect the world from evil threats. Koenig isn't sure what to make of all this newfound information, fair, but wonders what it has to do with Malik. I do want to point out he does call them Canadians, and I do love that. I love that he's like, listen, no one has said they're not Canadians. I will continue. Just going to assume they're Canadians. He, right. Well, they called themselves Mounties earlier, so he continues oh, to I assume. See. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. So he, he says, absolutely. okay, so you didn't lie to me about that part, though, right? And they're like, ooh. Well, remember, he, kind of too late to go back the, on that one, huh? It was the Chronicops that said that he was Canadian, that they were Canadian. True. He's, and he goes, they found out, he found out explains secondhand. explains a lot. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Secondhand Canadian is the name of my new record label. All right. Mm-hmm. The S.H.I.E.L.D. agents explain that Malik and his family will be one of those, will, will be one of those evil threats that are responsible for thousands of deaths in the future. Koenig refuses to believe it, saying how, saying how that is not the Malik he knows. Johnson explains he's not now, but will be. Koenig argues that you can't hold someone responsible for something they haven't done yet. At that yeah. moment, an alarm goes off, which Simmons explains, which Simmons explains that the countdown has commenced. Sometimes you just, I, I didn't write this, but listen, they do a lot of great work on the MC Wiki. She elaborates further by saying that their window in time is closing. Once the timer reaches zero, the Zephyr will move into another time in approximately 17 minutes, whether they are on board or not. When questioned why she hadn't told them sooner, she explains that it was because she had no idea of how long the window was open for. I'm just going to really quick jump in here and say, no, she didn't understand. She didn't know when the window was going to open, not how long it would be open for. I mean, she didn't know that either, but the more pertinent thing is when is the window going to open? Anyways. 
that for all she knows, it could be hours, days, or weeks. Coulson tells Johnson to contact Mackenzie and Shaw and let them know they are coming for them. Johnson gets a hold of Shaw. He, um, by the way, this here is where I would have normally had a scene cut because it feels very scene cutty, but I was good on this one and, and, and just went into the next room with Johnson and kept the scene going. Mm-hmm. He tells her he is with Mackenzie. Uh, he tells her he's with Mackenzie and Malik. Johnson hesitates, but then tells Shaw all about Malik's name and his future. Upon hearing that Shaw has a gun, she tells him to take the shot to kill Malik. He is reluctant to, as he is just a kid in his eyes. I didn't correct that uh, indefinite reference. He is reluctant. Deke is reluctant to, as Freddy is just a kid in Deke's eyes. I don't really have any sort of fun games. I just have some some good old fashioned discussion points, sort of like the book club questions at the end of a of a book that uh, you might maybe read, like the questions at the end of a tech textbook right, uh, yeah, reading. Yeah. Okay, can I take a guess? Sure. Okay, here here's sure, my guesses sure. for what James wrote. Um, James wrote, do you guys still like me? <laughs> no, I don't um, care about that. Oh, okay. He said, well, well, uh, well, I mean, hold on. I hold on. I got a note from James and it says, do you still like me? Check yes or no. So it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to check. Don't you dare write maybe on there. Oh, do not write an extra. Okay. Maybe. Wasn't going to do that, but now I'm scared. If yes, unfold one more level. And then it says, Ooh. do you want to go to a movie? And then if you yes say yes no. to that, it, it, you unfold it again. It's like, yeah, it's going to be a Marvel movie. Yeah. The last one is like, hope you like Iron Man two smiley face. Cause I'm assuming this was circa 2010, <laughs> right? 2010. 2000, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what was circa two? This, this, Iron Man two, this, yeah, this, in this moment that we're talking about, <laughs> okay. cause we're not doing a right now. Should I, I put guess. this bit in the timeline? Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll reference it when we get to 2010. And here's where James finally sent you that little letter across the uh-huh. and then, classroom. Then, then we can have our like first person reaction to that situation. It's yeah. great. Uh-huh. What was that like for you? Yeah. It, w- hey, it was nice. How do we put ourselves in the MCU? Like this. Yep. Director's commentary. <laughs> uh, so, okay. No, I, I don't here, know. Actually, I have no idea what you would have. Here is point number one. Did, did you, b- before we start, did you mention the fact that Koenig doesn't like Minority Report? Um, I did write as number two, frequent time travel theme. You can't hold someone responsible for something they haven't done yet. Okay, great. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, hey, it comes up in Endgame too. That 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 Fair. moment has strong, uh, you know, Don Cheadle, you know, m- the making the hand motion that he makes in the movie uh, when he's talking about, can we just find baby Thanos? And Oh, right, 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 right. They're like, Jesus. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that, it's that, also that John Mulaney bit. Um, yes. You yeah. know, if you see Hitler, you wouldn't kill Hitler if you saw him walking down the street. Right. Well, that wasn't what I was that saying. That wasn't what but... I was saying, but sure, let's go with that. <laughs> um, I, I, by the way, if I ever say to anyone who's listening or either of you, yeah, a little, I'm referencing that. Yeah. Thing, that you need Same. to say it in John Mulaney's voice regardless if i include a, a wizard picture or mm. anything else same for me yeah. but if i say you know like a liar like, right like, <laughs> i do like, i do that one yeah, a lot. Exactly. exactly so yeah um do you think that this is an interesting moral question that we haven't quite solved yet or is it a trite sci-fi sort of yeah but you can't get hung up on that when it comes to sort of like, where does this land on the interesting uh, to come up again uh, spectrum for you guys? I, I would say it's kind of both, actually, because it is mm-hmm. interesting in the context of, you know, this is not just like, oh, this person has never committed. He's like active committing crimes in the the United States of the time because he's bootlegging. Mm-hmm. 
Um, right. Granted, that's generally not a death sentence, uh, but right. you know the fact that he will uh, be part of Hydra is uh, should be. Yeah. Um, so I, I find it that little twist on it interesting, um, but mm-hmm. it is also kind of the fact that I was like, look, uh, we're talking about Minority Report is like, well, clearly it's been done. Yeah. So yeah. that's my I'm, I'm kind of wishy washy on it. I think that it's interesting in terms of the fact that like there is a question of morality, though, of then are you then the bad guy by then taking someone out before they've grown up and actually done those things? Right. 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 Uh, Because the other thing is that if you go backwards in time to look at that person, kind of as we've discussed before, you never step back into the stream in the same place. Right. So if you go back in time, something could have already changed that at this point they may not may not go and do that thing so then right. you know you're not giving them the opportunity to correct those mistakes uh and as we also know from other time travel things just because you do that does not shift the things that have happened exactly That's unfortunately right. like the the issue becomes that those things still happen they just find some other way or they did still happen, but in another timeline. So it doesn't erase that right. suffering. So it's like, you know, right. you didn't always... understand the mechanics of what was going on. And right. Yeah. And so yeah. now you're just a, you know, a 25 year old murderer or a baby exactly. murderer or, you know, whatever. <laughs> just a, you killed a guy because you don't understand cosplay. Um, <laughs> okay, good. So I think okay, watch so yourself. That, that... <laughs> I'll allow it. All right, so uh, number one, that was number two. Number one was, it strikes me that in 1931, Martians and Moon Men would have been the same. We hadn't been to the moon yet. It was still just as far huh. away, relatively, as yeah. as Mars was. Yeah. Moon Men seems ridiculous now, and Martians doesn't. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, that, hmm. that's interesting. That's a good point. Hmm. Hmm. Great. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted from that one. Cogent point, James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all I want. Um <laughs> Okay, uh, if we could just make a soundboard, you guys can go take, you know, just take five and come back for who's ready. That'd be cool. Um, I'm joking. I want I want your, your input. So number three, time window showing up at a random time is a great device for writers because the random nature means that you can have it show up whenever. Right. That is definitely true. Exactly. Yeah. It, as we'll see in future uh, time window events, it can be very fun to have it maybe open up way sooner than the plot would have you think that it's going to open up. Yeah. It certainly feels like a device that that a writer can use to be like, okay, you actually have to make an action. You can't just like watch the guy. Right. So I think that's, yeah, that that, I think you're totally right on that. Like it's very interesting. Granted it, you know, there's no way to resolve the mechanics of how that actually works. uh, Because who, who knows what time time, travel is actually like other than right. you know the the normal one that we just kind of right. go second by second in the future exactly uh, exactly let me get out my soundboard here real quick one second okay great love this and then here we go here's the thing mm-hmm. i think that time is weird mm. i like that have it's you, good you had considered those... james have you considered not thinking about time travel no his what? his soundboard no. is really weirdly cut up sometimes it's complicated <laughs> oh that's yep that's complicated it. we're back for sure. on track <laughs> it's complicated complicated for sure <laughs> i was going to do an audition for one for a thing one time for being a robot 
and I decided that what how I would best use my time was to record each word of the lines individually and then put them together so it sounded like a robot and then I didn't get the part. I don't think I actually submitted that, but I thought that was a pretty fun way to make it sound like a robot. It was a cute idea. It's, it, it's a good idea, I think. Well, it's a good idea, and it also was a magnificent waste of time. So it was it was all the things you want in a... In well, a that audition. James wants in a, <laughs> yeah, exactly, in a project. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, if I can't get the part, at least I can hyper-focus to the point of losing sleep. Right. And then go, hey, can't believe I didn't get it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I then eventually just recorded it and then didn't get the part, so... That was all I had for that. It's a. I would like to use a time window because it's the time when random doesn't mean random. It means whenever it's good for you, right. which is which is kind of a fun way to think about it. Whenever it's good stuff. for the writers and not necessarily the right. characters. It's exactly. when you think about it. It's uh, when has this story run its course? That's when exactly. it's time to put the window. Oops, can't believe we'll never see the true ending. We know what the true exactly. ending is. You know Exactly. And yeah, that's it's, the, it's he quantum leap, had... but more realistic, where yeah. it's like, nope, this time you were just there to make that sandwich. I don't care if you're making it for John Wilkes Booth. Head out of there. Let's let's jump to the next one. Mm-hmm. And speaking of jumping to the next one, here's number four. Deke saying it's good to hear your voice, even though he masks it in going lower and sort of acting like sort of like, ah, good, we've reestablished communications. I wrote classic interaction with a crush. You finally got your crush on the phone after mm-hmm. like a long weekend. You're like, it's good to hear your voice. And she's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I thought like, about that I too. That's I, pretty great. I didn't write it down, but I do remember watching that and going, man, that's painful. And when I say that it's mostly because I'm like, oh, Deke, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I feel for you. I understand this. I've been there. Yeah. I, In I, fact, I, I've done it recently. <laughs> Where I was like, I said something to someone and they just were like, that's great. And they moved on. I was like, wow. Colin, wow. That last cut, time, I'm sorry. That I'm just, cut I'm sorry. worse than I thought it would. James, it's, can it's we weird not publicly that, air this? That three nerdy men have mm-hmm. understand how it is to be, say something to a crush and then have it immediately passed by. No, that, this has not happened to me. I was thinking of it as pretty oh, pathetic, of course. It's not like, happened to me either. Uh, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, I was just saying this so I could seem relatable. I've ne- certainly never done that. Uh, <clears throat> toxic masculinity. All right, so um, <laughs> I uh, I think, though, that it's, it's, it's even more relatable because it's that thing where I could buy... He has plausible deniability that he's just... He would have said the same thing to Coulson because right. now because you're reestablishing the connection, connection yeah. the time travel machine that you came in on. But because it's established that he loves Daisy, it doesn't sound like that. Like it, it, it you can't play it off enough where you're like, oh, thanks, man. I love you. Oh, God. Oh, man. I just confessed my deepest, darkest feelings. And no one was thinking that until you put the context in there. So. That was just a, a thing I added later. The last thing I have is where I really want to get into it. This is a bad look for Daisy. It is maybe the most ethically questionable decision yes. she makes on the whole show. And it's all the worse because she's like, hey, Deke, do this for me. <laughs> I also thought that as well, which was that like, this is, she, I think only twice in the show does she really get kind of ugly as a person, you know, mm-hmm. where she really kind of, has a little bit of a dark side and it comes out and not even in a way where it's like she's using her anger and aggression, but like for good kind of thing. No, she's using it in just like the worst possible way. Yeah. And on top of that, she is then manipulating 
this guy that she is like very clearly kind of like on her last nerve about, but also knows that he's like, uh, you know, a little kid on the schoolyard, like, Hey, like, um, do you want to share my sandwich? Cause I mean, like, I just feel like it'd be kind of cool to share the sandwich. Also, the test answers and yeah. wait, what'd you say? You have the test answers? You have the test answers? <laughs> Actually, wait, hang on, Deke, come back. Yeah, let's talk about lunch. And then it's like, that's exactly what it is. It's like, well, I mean, you won't tell on me though, right? And it's like, uh, no, knowing that she's doing something wrong, but <laughs> right. you're like, We're I cool. can't, I can't let her know that I'm not okay with that because then yeah. I'm not cool. Um, so yeah, yeah. you know, certainly not relatable there either. No. Listen, yeah. mo- having a, a moral disagreement with your crush is one of the worst feelings because I don't know about you guys, but I am willing to toss pretty much any ideals into the sun, and I hate that about myself, and I have definitely been there. Here's here's my <laughs> side on that real quick is just simply that it depends on what it is because if it's like sure. a thing of like, hey, look, you know, look the other way while I like throw this Kit Kat into my purse secretly, right? I'm like, right, that's eh, a corporation, fuck them, right? Right, sure. But like- if it's like, hey, I'm gonna do some like light racism or something like that, I'm gonna be like, oh no, you're no longer a crush. Actually, you're actually just mm-hmm. a garbage, you know, uh, human being. Uh, so, <sighs> no thanks. I'm I'm good. I'm actually gonna not move past that, and we're gonna have a quick conversation about that, and then I'm gonna head out. You know? Yeah. Um, right. But like, yeah, no. But if they're like, hey, like you won't tell on me if I do this thing that like definitely should get me in trouble. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a simp. That's fine. Go ahead. Right. Cutie. Oh God. Oh God. Oh, here's, here's some money. Why am I giving you money? Oh geez. You're like, that was my lunch money for the entire week. Fuck. Why did I have it all at one moment? (laughs) She bought a watch band. She threw the watch band in the trash. What is happening to my life? Um, Get it together. It's, I think it's especially funny because in this same scene, Koenig sets up the stakes of what this means. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very clearly like, hey, everyone, if you shake this can of soda, bad things are going to happen. Like, really bad. People will die. Daisy goes to the other room. Shake the can. <laughs> shake the can. Shake it. Um, also, take the shot in the context of you haven't previously set up snipers. Doesn't sound cool. It just sounds like you're referring to something that no one knows what you're talking about. You know, take it the shot. Been what really, shot? It'd be really funny if she said, "Take the shot," and he said, "Okay." When we're done with the time travel business, you, me, Friday night. <laughs> yeah. That would have been such an amazing line. Like, you want me <laughs> to take a shot of this whiskey that you know is being bootlegged? Is that what you and want? And then she's like, "No, take the shot." And he's like, "Okay, I already t- uh, tasted it. It's pretty bad." And then she's like, "No, take the shot." Shoot, oh. shoot Freddy vaccinations what? no no but You're I've right. had a whiskey shot now I'm not I don't have uh, I'm not good with my aim after a whiskey <laughs> shot don't ask me how I know yeah. that <laughs> so that's all that's all the discussion yeah. questions that I had personally Mike I think that you said you had one or two things that you wanted to, to I, I, I did bust in on you a couple times with the oh, right. uh, okay yeah, yeah. The, uh, the Canadians and the precogs oh yeah um oh, good call, I good really call. do love Koenig uh, uh, who I called Koenig out of water on a super futuristic uh, plane. Just very good. Ooh, I like that. I really like Love that. that. Uh, Daisy's dress, stunning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nice then uh, there, sure. uh, Simmons' hair was fantastic. I liked it. Yes. That's all I have. <sighs> all very good uh, assessments. Uh, observations, light, so sure. maybe some light humor. Just not not deep humor. Sure, sure. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate the moral conundrums and the... Yeah 
crush content and the relatable realities mm -hmm. uh, that we've all just witnessed. Uh, but before we head out of this episode, we have two more segments. So let's play another quick round of Who's Freddy? I hope to be doing a better job this this time than last time, which was not great. Okay. Right. Well, I have, I have Fred written down here, so I will just erase this W and then I don't have to write Fred again. Okay, I'm there ready. you go. <laughs> uh, once again, James, write to lock in your answer. Mike, you will be up first. Okay. This variant of Fred has lived an unbelievably busy life and an incredibly busy filming schedule as 15 separate actors have played this Fred across multiple styles of media, which is an interesting thing to see considering the character is also a classically trained actor himself. His acting business, however, was cut short when the war arose and he went off to serve his country. After the war, he was given a new job outside of intelligence, or at least that is how it remained until his later years when the youngest of his employers took a new charge on in life, and this Fred ended up becoming a master of computer programming, electrical engineering, chemical engineering, mechanical engineering, nanotechnology, and biotechnology. Easily the smartest Fred we've dealt with. Who's Freddy? Boy, this is a lot. There's a lot here. I think I think it sounds like James is is locked in. Oh, that that nod doesn't make me feel better. I, you know what may make this genuinely easier for you? Forget basically half of what I've said. Mm -hmm. This was just to sort of pad it. I think what the easiest way to connect to this is to consider the first like sentence and a half here about how sure. this Fred is a character. It's a fictional character. Right. And has been played by 15 separate actors across all forms of media. So things like, let's just say video games audio dramas, TV, movie, things like that, sure. right? Like just some of the examples of things that, you know, could have had this character in it. So think of something that we've seen a character like this so many times. Because I think when you think about it like that, that shows that there are truly not that many options. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I know it's not the one I'm like, I can't, move past because i'm pretty sure you've already you done past. the one that you uh that i can't move past and also not not a computer programmer considering he was in the stone age not fred flintstone right okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not fred flintstone that is it, it feels like it's probably someone in the james bond universe to me that's what i thought too and i think that you're not as far off as you think you are i would agree with that but uh, yeah you're in the wrong you're in the wrong theater but you're in the right section of the video store. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? No. Because great. Th theaters great, and great. video stores are two win. different things. I guess I just don't know as much British Freds as I, I needed to. Now, what about this? What about this? It's not Fred. Fred is in the name. Yeah. I would like to give one final clue just because I would like to see uh, Mike you know, get there. Unbelievably related to this show, right? Just different universe. Mm -hmm. Oh, is this Alfred, the 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 uh, the Batman? Um... Yep. Okay, that's exactly who it is. Alfred, Alfred Pennyworth. Pennyworth. There we go. Ooh, I didn't know same the name. time. Hey, uh, 
Do you have you seen that new show Pennyworth on HBO? I actually have not There's, watched it yet. I haven't either. That's not Harry Styles, right? I don't know. I again, I haven't even seen it, so I've I just not know even they heard were of working it. on it. I know they. Were I only see on it on like the, you know, on the on the thing when it's like, hey, you want to watch it? It apparently is not. It is Jack Bannon. Uh, here's just a quick little fun fact about Alfred. By the way, in Alfred's first appearance, he was overweight and clean shaven. However, when the 1943 Batman serial was released, William Austin, the first actor who played Alfred, was trim and sported a thin mustache. So the DC editors wanted the comic Alfred to resemble his cinematic counterpart, which is, I think, I believe the first instance of cinematic uh, portrayals being brought over into the comic books and staying permanent. Interesting. which is a very fascinating thing because I thought it was mostly during modern days, but it, it started even back in 43. Um, and so what they did to do this was in Detective Comics number 83, January 1944, Alfred vacationed at a health resort where he slimmed down and grew a mustache. Love that. Um, I do love so the details there on that. Yeah. I love it's the like, idea that he's like, I'm going away on a long holiday and came back and was like, I've lost 50 pounds. Consent. And uh, uh, completely unrelated to the weight loss, I have also grown a mustache. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which I could have done pretty much at any time because, again, it is right. a mustache that grows on my face. Right. Exactly. Uh, so there you go. That was Who's Freddy? Very good. Very good. You know what actually got it for me? Um, the, the 15 actors was, was one. But you saying variant on Freddy? Um, I was like, okay, so it's not Fred. It it allowed me to go into the war, and and maybe that's not what you meant by it. It kind but, of was actually. It okay. part of it was just that like I thought of it for two things. One, it was like it's not exactly Fred or Freddy. It just has the word Fred in it. But right. also, I was thinking I frequently go this Fred, that Fred, this and it's like or this man was a Fred who. It's right. like I just wanted a slightly different sentence for once, and sure. I was like, ah, hey, we're in timeline scavengers. We're part of the MCU. We can mentioned variants sure why not mm-hmm, that, that's sure. kind of a fun little thing so i just threw that in there like that uh but that's my segment so james before we get out of here do you have yeah. some sort of history lesson for us i do uh let's get into the history of radio again of 1931 this is 1931 radio timeline event is on may 21st the uh the show the witch's tale t-a-l-e debuts on Nope, not the one you're thinking of. W-O-R-A-M, uh, which is a new radio station for us. Um, Witch's Tale is a horror fantasy radio series which aired from May 21st, 1931 to June 13th, 1938. Um, it was created, written, and directed by Alonzo Dean Cole. It's the first horror drama on radio. Uh, his spooky show was, ho- was hosted by Old Nancy, the Witch of Salem, who introduced a different terror tale each week. The role of Old Nancy was created by stage actress Adelaide Fitzallen, who died in 1935 at the age of 79. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to tell you this next sentence because it is one of the funniest, funnest things I've ever heard. She was replaced, this 79-year-old was replaced by 13-year-old Miriam Wolf, who also did a witch's voice. And basically, the, the apocryphal story is she was there at a midnight taping, was like, yo, I have the best witch voice. And they're like... I like your moxie. You're hired. <laughs> but that's not really how it went down because she had like an agent and stuff. But they did replace the 79-year-old with a 13-year-old who did also do just as, you know, just as well. 
Uh, Martha Wentworth was also heard as Old Nancy on occasion. Uh, Cole himself provided the sounds of Old Nancy's cat. Satan was the name of the cat, because that's what you'd name, you know. And Cole's wife, Marie O'Flynn, portrayed the lead female characters on the program, and the supporting cast included Mark Smith and Alan DeVete. The, The episodes were sort of like original stuff, but they also did things like they did an adaptation of Frankenstein and stuff sure. like that. Um, you can, if you do a little searching on the witch's tale, you can find like a lot. There are like people that are into it as like big fans and stuff and have like um, figured out like, you know, this was on this date and uh, this is what the story's about. Here's a review of it. Here's a clip of whatever. It's actually pretty, pretty, pretty impressive to see how, how far this, uh, this fandom has gone for this, uh, 1931 radio show uh but that is the witch's tale when i now you guys might remember um we had the television ghost was a tv show a couple of weeks ago um which was sort of the same thing it was basically a guy acting like murder victims and telling the story of the murder and i was like and and colin is remembering et right now colin's remembering the movie et um and I was like, wait, did that happen before or after this? And it happened after it. It was in August and this was in May. So this was the first horror ra- fantasy radio series. And that was a TV show, even though they were basically like, how can we scare or creep people out with as few people as possible? And that was how they did it. So, And nowadays it's just podcasting. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. It's the same thing. I mean, it technically is the same thing as radio. So, Wait, right. Radio on demand. See, there you go. Fire Serious up the old echo. rod, nope. we say. <laughs> Rodcasts. Hmm. That is it for the t- uh, the radio of 1931. And I will throw it once again to you, Colin, the spookiest of social media hosts. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Timeline Scavengers. Uh, in order to give you a recommendation for a show to check out this week, uh, I am actually going to ask our guest okay. to give us a quick pitch for his show. I have a question about about this. I actually have a question. Are you gonna pitch a show that's coming back there, Michael? Uh, I, you know, I can pitch multiple shows uh, that may or may not be coming back. But if you would like me to, I can. Because um, go ahead. I've never been so excited for an announcement that a show is coming back and the podcast was going to be returning <laughs> to the air. So quite unexpectedly. So yes, uh, me and my co-host Ben. Uh, have been doing a community podcast, but I'm not talking about that right now. Um, if you are a nerd of m- a lot of different varieties, you you know full well that Futurama is coming back. Um, and because of Futurama coming back, I and my co-host Ben are returning to our original podcast, Back to the Futurama, which you can find at Back to Futurama on Twitter. I dare you to call it Back to the Back to the Futurama. I mean, we have already released our like teaser uh, for the upcoming next year, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, a, a little bit of a hoot to do because we acted like uh, our studio was fully uh, in, you know, mothballs and cobwebs and what have you. Uh, it was a fun time. Uh, there's we got the if you like Futurama and we got we've talked about the whole thing until the new stuff. Absolutely. And your other show oh yes my 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 other show which i did mention uh is good morning greendale uh it's what we did after the the futurama and then also what will we'll be going back to the futurama when we're done with this uh if so if you like the television show community uh you can look for us at good greendale on twitter 
Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. We'll see you all next time for some more MCU goodness. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm James Anderson. I'm Mike Snyder. Excelsior, eh? Previously on Finish It. I jump on the woolly mammoth. Very nice. Eventually, you become captain of your own ship. You become the captain of your own ship? <laughs> Life is harsh and simple with the cave people. No boy. Vampire advances toward you step by step by step. The usual Fingers. way. <laughs> does that sound like fun? Yes, it does. I'm Matt Yule. And I'm Chris Yule. And on our podcast, Finish It, we're going through all the interactive fiction books ever. And we read every single page and we don't stop until we got every drop. <laughs> We're going to juice these books. Find us at finishitpod.com or finish it on any pod catcher. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.